Hey, this is Rob Harder with Making Your World Better, a nonprofit leadership show where real stories from real people who are coming up with real solutions to solve society's biggest challenges. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? How do people fundraise in an economy that is constantly in flux? How do you relate to board members in a way that inspires them to make a difference? What are the best practices that separate effective nonprofits from others? It is my hope that through these episodes, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear real stories from real leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy this series as together we hear how they're making their world better. the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, Making Your World Better. First of all, I just want to give a shout out. It's fun to know that we have listeners from Germany, uh, from Myanmar, from Nepal, uh, from Australia, from Ghana. Uh, thanks so much for listening. And of course, we have people across the country listening to this podcast. We're really glad that you have found this to be a helpful podcast. Um, welcome to the show. And let me ask a question. Uh, my guess is most of you, if not all of you listeners, um, deal with the issue of fundraising. If you're in the nonprofit sector, that is something that is on the front burner all the time. So here's a couple of questions. How do you improve your fundraising? What are the current trends in fundraising now in the nonprofit sector? Um, how do you raise up more people that really buy into your mission and then financially support you? Well, the guest today is going to give away a couple of key principles that she's learned along the way with her organization that I really think sets them apart. Number one, she's going to talk a little bit about how she's all about measured impact to really get some data on how many people are served, how many pets are saved, how many people are being fed. I mean, she really gets down to getting the data in donors' hands so that she knows, or the, I should say the donors know, what the measured impact of their organization is. And she feels like that has been so successful to get more donors to support her organization. The second thing is this, you'll be amazed by her website. Um, it's really quite impressive, actually. Um, there is so many things you can do and find out about the various causes they support. And it's very easy to support these causes uh, through the website portal. So as you listen to this show, here's my hope, is that even if you can apply just two of the principles that she shares, number one, uh, if you could come up with a real clear metric of how your organization organization is making a measured impact in your community, in your neighborhood, in your world. That would be a big difference maker for you to attract more donors to your organization. Or number two, if you really utilize your website better and have a better online presence as greatergood.org does, that alone I think will bring more people to your organization, not just as donors, but as volunteers as well. Enjoy today's show. Our guest today for the show is Liz Baker. She's the executive director of greatergood.org. And its mission is this, to protect people, pets, and the planet. Really love the clarity of that mission statement. Liz has overseen this organization for the last five years, and they cover a multitude of issues ranging from hunger to land conservation to veterans and animal welfare. Liz, it's really good to have you on the show today. She's calling in from Arizona, and we're going to get right to the question. So tell us more about Greater Good. In summary, what is it and how does it work? Greatergood.org is a, a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, we are registered in the state of Washington, but we have offices all over uh, the U.S. Um, with a fairly broad mission to help people, pets, and the planet. Um, and we're pretty interesting because we're we are funders, um, so we fund other nonprofits uh, specifically around projects and around quantifiable units of impact. Um, but then we also run our own signature programs, which are programs that we fully uh, staff, operate, um, et cetera, et cetera. 
So how do you recruit and find donors on the one hand? And then also on the second hand, how do you choose and vet the causes that you select to go on your site? So what kind of vetting process do you have? Well, so, you know, we don't take unsolicited projects. Um, We have uh, program directors that, um, you know, are are experts in in their field or cause vertical. Um, And they spend a lot of time uh, looking for groups and and projects. Um, And then we... Um, so with our partnership for, through greatergood.com, um, put them up on their website, which is, is called some, a gift that gives more. Um, and so it's, it always breaks down into a quantifiable unit of, of impact, um, or, or I should say most of the time. So, you know, pay $35 and protect an acre of land in Argentina. Um, pay, you know, a dollar eighty and feed a shelter pet, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so uh, this is interesting because a lot of the people on our show are uh, either nonprofit directors or they're on the board or they directly impact you know, the nonprofit sector as through being a speaker, author, et cetera. So for you, to me, what I understand, now correct me if I'm wrong, you're kind of a matchmaker, if you will. You hear about a need or you see a great organization and you try to connect people to that organization that's protecting the planet or protecting pets. So talk a little bit more about, number. you go back to how it started and then how do you grow in a sustainable way? So greatergood.org um, started 10 years ago and it really um, was uh, started because uh, the, the company greatergood.com, um, a lot of its business is set up so that if you buy a product or take an action, um, a donation was made to charity. Um, and they really didn't have any staff until they, they hired me about five years ago. So the model then was, was mostly, um, you know, donate to a group and, and then the, the donation goes through. Again, that gifts that give more program. Um, when I came on board, um, we started looking around and we started in the animal space. Um, but that there were needs that we couldn't find projects for. And so we started to create our own signature program. Um, which are, like I said before, fully operated and, and funded by greatergood.org. Um, or, and, or in some cases, we, we um, also merged with nonprofits that uh, were doing a really good job with the programmatic element, but maybe didn't like to do the marketing or the taxes or the compliance or the paperwork. I mean, it's very hard to run a good nonprofit. Um, and there are a lot of smaller groups that are doing a really great job with the program piece, but just don't have the resources, the time, uh, the money to do everything that comes with with running a great nonprofit. So in a lot of instances with our, our signature programs, um, we did take advantage of, of the opportunity to merge with people doing great work. Well, I like what you said about that. And, and let's dive into the issue for you because you end up, if you end up you know, taking over some of these smaller nonprofits, uh, what have you found from your research and your experience? What really sets apart a good nonprofit that can make it from those that just struggle to really move beyond their ultimate goal and mission? Well, I mean, I think the first is, <clears throat> is funding. Um, you know, you, People don't realize that you have to spend, you know, you have to have a staff that that is constantly uh, fundraising to get these projects paid for, and whether that's through individual donations, corporate sponsorship, grants, you know, that that takes a lot of time and effort. And then the second piece of it is to make sure that you have the right people on staff to be good stewards of that money. Um, I like to say that running a nonprofit is sort of like selling a dream. 
but it, it is a currency, and the currency is impact. And you have to pay attention to and track that impact piece, um, both so that you can evaluate your performance internally and then also externally uh, for the donors who trust you with their money. And then there, of course, is the third piece, which is all of the oversight, um, both required by the board, um, the state that you're registered in, all of the other states for fundraising compliance, and finally, the, the number one uh, parent, the IRS. I love that the number one parent. <laughs> At some level, that's right. We all have to report to the IRS, so that's a, uh, absolutely true. Um, so yeah, so talk about the your measurement. Um, you're absolutely right in the sense of impact. I think donors want high impact. So talk about your measurements. What kind of measurement system or uh, data that you set up that you will run through every nonprofit that you're involved with and or that you support? Uh, what does it look like? How do you measure it? What are the, the key components of your measurement strategy? Well, it, like I said, we're we're pretty unique in that we we look at um, quantifiable units of impact, and we set up our our, our fundraising programs that way. Um, the other thing that's really interesting um, that I'll start out with is that giving a large amount of money does not equal the highest impact, um, and that has been an interesting journey for me to learn. Um, that sometimes uh, $500 can go further than $5,000 or $50,000 if you put it in the hands of, of the right people. Um, and obviously, geography play, plays a part in that. And also, you know, looking at smaller groups, you know, you want to be cognizant of the fact that you don't want to give them more money than what they can do with because that then causes a whole slew of problems too. So we work with you know, a variety of charity partners from very, very small, very local um, in, in, you know, I think we're in 130 some countries right now, um, you know, to the really, really big guys um, doing, you know, really great work as well. Um, but so we've, we've tracked, you know, and, and some of, and, and this is through our program, our signature program, but, um, and some of them haven't been full 10 years of impact, but, you know, one of our programs is we vaccinate shelter pets. And so we track, you know, not only costs, but we track that we've vaccinated over 150,000 shelter animals, you know, against infectious diseases. We've provided, you know, scholarships to, you know, 300 girls in 10 countries. You know, we have one program where we work in um, the Sky Islands in Mexico, both to educate students and then to um, collect records on owned land uh, for biodiversity. And so in that case, we would measure, you know, 400, over 400 students that we've educated and over 14,000 um, plant and animal records um, through Madurian Discovery. Um, you know, so those would just be some examples. Um, we count the number of mammograms we provided to low-income women. We've delivered over 200 million meals um, to hungry animals through our rescue bank program. Um, and then, um, you know, established a 31,000-acre wildlife corridor for jaguars through one of our signature programs. We've renovated over 100 animal shelters with Rescue Rebuild. And then if you take any of these programs with Rescue Rebuild, for example, then we break it down even further to like number of volunteers, number of fencing, et cetera, et cetera. So when we're looking at, at projects, and, and certainly some of you know, our partner projects, we just evaluate off of, of one metric. But for our signature program, um, you know, we really feel the responsibility to, to dig deep and, and be as transparent as possible. 
Well, it's obvious you've had a lot of successes, and it's very interesting the variety of programs that you support. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about the mistakes you've made along the way or things that you've learned along the way that you've improved from. Talk about those. Um, I mean, I think knowing when it's time to retire or change something, um, sort of the ultimate goal in, in nonprofit is to not be needed. Um, and mm-hmm. you don't want to run programs or fund programs because you can raise money for it. Um, you want to run a program because there is a need. And luckily, sometimes we see that the need is met, um, you know, even though there might be additional funding, but based on what we're evaluating, um, just to know sort of when it's time to to say, hey, we did this, we accomplished this, and, and move on. Well, and, you know, as talk a little bit more about how this works. Um, you mentioned that 100% of each donation goes directly to the cause. How do you cover your overhead costs, and is there any, quote, transaction fees involved if someone goes to your website to support a certain cause? Well, so on the on the greatergood.com website, which, again, they're a separate organization, um, 100% of the donation goes to the cause um, through grants from greatergood.org. We do have ultimate discretion over the funding, but um, they cover the transaction fees in that case. So if, you know, you donate to, uh, you know, feed homeless veterans, you donate $25, $25 goes to, to the group. We do not keep any sort of fees. 100% goes, again, if they, they have to meet the grant criteria. There is a a whole process. Um, and, and so from that standpoint, yes, um, for our own programs, obviously we have staff. Um, so, but most of them are, we, we, we're pretty lean. We only have 25 people. Um, and our operating budget for cash and in kind is right up around $50 million a year now. Um, and so, you know, we do have corporate sponsors that make gifts. We do have a, a sort of a general healthgreatergood.org um, fund. And so the, the staff is, the staffing expenses come out of our own programs, not out of the projects that we fund. Okay, that's that makes sense. Okay. And um, I understand that this past September, you celebrated your 10-year anniversary. Congratulations. And you passed the 100 million donation mark. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's a big mark. $100 million of donations is pretty impressive. Um, and so one of my questions for you would be, you've experienced a lot of, um, you know, you've seen a lot of different nonprofits across the country. From your work and research, what are the national trends in terms of fundraising that you're seeing across across the nonprofit sector? I think that it there's definitely more competition um, now, which is um, especially through Facebook and, and you know, and, and, and all of the media. Um, it, it used to be that people would identify with nonprofits because they got a mailer or it was through a TV commercial or something in your local community. And now I think with access to information it, it's and, and all of the various social media apps and ways that people connect, you know, there, there is a lot more competition there. I also think that there is a much larger demand for, for transparency, which is a good thing. Um, and, and finally, I think, you know, crowdsourcing is fairly interesting uh, concept um, and potentially a, a competitor to nonprofit you know, a lot of the things that people can crowdsource for, medical bills, et cetera, et cetera, are not going to a nonprofit. They're going to an individual. Um, and again, mm-hmm. through through the Internet, um, you know, you can log on to Facebook and see my friend's friend is recovering from surgery, donate money here. Um, so, again, I guess that, that goes back a little bit to, to, to competition and, and more people um, in, in, out there trying to asking for money for, for good causes, whether it's a nonprofit. 
Yeah, so do you feel like the, the competition being higher and a lot more people just doing individual uh, fundraisers, if you want to call them that, uh, with no overhead, if you will, if it just goes straight to the uh, individual that's either going through a health issue or you what have you, do you feel like then uh, do nonprofits need to be a little bit more careful with their overhead costs or do you feel like they need to be more clear about their message or what's kind of the antidote for nonprofits to make sure that um, their message is getting through for their organization? Yeah, I mean, I think the number one difference is that when you're making a, a donation to a nonprofit, it's tax deductible. Um, and, you know, it's it, – and I think, too, um, again, that impact is important and, and transparency in financials um, so that your mm-hmm. donors – you're honest with your donors, that you have integrity and, you know, and you let the donors know, um, you know, when you follow up with them on, on what their donation did. That sounds great. And, you know, related to that is what do you feel like is the, quote, state of nonprofits, uh, particularly in light of all that's going on with our country regarding political strife and uh, increase and in, feels like disagreements between people from different ideological viewpoints. Um, where do nonprofits come in and what do you feel like the state of nonprofits are from your vantage point? Well, so it's been an interesting year. Um, you know, we... We have not seen any sort of a, a decrease in interest or donations. In fact, if anything, I feel like sort of the polarized state of where we are has, has driven people to action, um, which is is good, um, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, people seem to be more interested no matter what side they fall on. Um, and, uh, it ha- you know, it sparked interesting debate. You know, my hope is that, and I always say money is great, but if everybody took an hour a week of their time and donated their time to a group, um, doing something that they're good at, we wouldn't have all of the need that we have. Um, so my hope is that, you know, people will get out there and do something, um, and then, of course, if they can't make a donation, we're also monitoring closely our global and U.S. projects and partners um, that might be impacted um, with some of, of the new um, potential policy changes, et cetera, et cetera. And then, finally, we really have to and try to stay neutral um, on any sort of political um, subject. We're not a, a, a nonprofit that does any sort of political activity. And, you know, going back to the fundraising question, too, I've had a lot of people on the show that talk about how fundam- fundamentally for many nonprofits, fundraising is changing, in particular with the millennial generation. Um, what's your take on that? Do you think of, uh, fundraising is changing? And if so, what's the future of fundraising for nonprofits? Yeah, I mean, I think it is, again, like sort of with all of the things that we talked about, you know, specifically the access to information and, and the Internet and the ability to reach people. And, um, you know, the it's not like sending out a catalog where somebody writes in and sends you a $25 check once a year on the holidays. I mean, you know, people have a lot more um, availability to get information and are much more computer savvy. Um, to know how to find stuff and and make a decision where they want their funding to go, which I think is 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 exciting. And again, you know, sort of what we talked about transparency, visibility, um, and also we found too that you know their funding for sort of broader ideas is sort of going away. People want to know what am I funding um, exactly. You know, if it's, you know, I'm sending this one girl to school or I'm helping this one pet or, you know, they, they, they really don't just write checks anymore thinking, I'm just going to make a donation. They, they want to be actively involved in seeing 
the difference that their money makes. Talk a little bit more about the the signature programs you know that you support. Um, one of our key phrases you know in this show is making the world better. Um, talk about some of the things you mentioned earlier in the show, but uh, talk about some specific examples of how you really are seeking to make the world better through the organizations that you promote. Well, so I mean, again, there's two categories. One is are the nonprofits that pro- whose projects we fund. Um, and, you know, we work with three to 400 of them a year. So we're always seeing really innovative uh, projects. And, and you know, one of my favorite stories and one of the, the favorite groups that we report is this group called Food Recovery Network. Um, and it was a bunch of college kids at University of Maryland um, sitting around in the cafeteria one night and looking at all of the food that went to waste. And they said, hey, where is this going? And they said, we're throwing it away. And so... They started out and worked out a deal with, with, uh, Sodexo saying, hey, if we show up and we package up this food and we deliver it, um, within the, the allotted time frame, um, can we have the food? And they said, yeah. So we provided the tins, um, for them to, um, package safely the food. And so, you know, when the cafeterias on the campus closed, they would have volunteers sign up, package up the food and deliver it, you know, within a couple hours to, homeless shelters, food pantries, various places, organizations around um, their local community. Um, and so the cost is really low, and then and the impact's really high. And now they are all over the U.S. Um, on, on almost every major college campus. So, you know, we started working with them when they were just at, 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 uh, at um University of Maryland College Park. And the people that ran it were, it was so funny because, you know, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to schedule a call with you and it'd be like, well, can we do it between this class? And I was just like, sure, no problem. And, you know, and it's really that simple because I wonder, you know, how many people have sat around and looked at that food and thought, where does it go and what can I do about it? Um, our, our rescue bank program, um, started um, by um, this, these amazing people, John Kane and Elizabeth Asher um, over Katrina, and they, um, you know, looked around and, and, and did some research and figured out that, that all of this, you know, short-dated food was going to waste and, and what rescue groups really need are, are food. And so they started locally in Houston and, and have um, – and, and it's sort of like the Feeding America model for, for pet food, where there's affiliate warehouses and now around the country. Um, and the, the large food manufacturers make donations, and, um, you know, we pay for the shipping, so they're shipped to, you know, various warehouses around the country. And then we have um, affiliate groups, rescue groups, that have signed up and been approved, and they show up. And they pay a very small percentage to cover what the shipping costs were. And then they get donated food. And like I said, they've delivered over, you know, 200 million meals to hungry animals through this model. So, I mean, talk about innovative, low cost, you know, like we're very excited that that's, you know, one of our our, our programs. Um, we recently merged with um, Jackson Galaxy Foundation, and now it's Jackson Galaxy Project and one of our our new signature programs is called Cat Positive, and it's clicker training for cats. I mean, everybody thinks, you know, I can train dogs, but cats you can't train, and that's just not true. Um, and so we're getting ready to scale this program in in the spring. Um, but it's really interesting, and, 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 you know, you can teach a cat through positive reinforcement to do a few simple things that highly, A, impact its quality of life, and then B, the the rate of adoption. 
And, you know, imagine going into a cat shelter and um, seeing a kennel card that says, my cat smart, I can high five. And, um, you know, with a click and a treat, the cat will come and high five you. And, I mean, just think about, you know, how many more cats will get adopted because of it. That's so interesting, and uh, I'm very familiar with Feeding America, and we run a uh, food bank here. So let's go back. Both of those are great examples. Um, you know, the one with the rescue bank, so is that sounds like it's a national organization now where, say, a rescue animal shelter here, and we're, you know, out of Park City, Utah, they could be affiliate of Rescue Bank. Is that how it works? Or is it more just uh, they, through their connections on Rescue Bank, they can then contact Purina or uh, Petco or some other organization to get some of this uh, extra food? Yeah, it, we have shelters set up to be affiliates. Um, a lot of the food through Rescue Bank goes through rescue groups, um, not through shelters, although there is always overflow food. And they also get a lot of products out the same way. Um, and so, you know, there's there's a couple of different ways to get involved. One would be to be, you know, the, the, the affiliate that accepts the food. And they get mm-hmm. training, they get a fee for doing that, which is part of the handling fee. Um, and then they're the ones who actually will hand out and distribute the food. Or the smaller, you know, the rescue groups can, can sign up and, and um, receive the food. Very interesting. Okay. Well, do you feel like, you know, as you scan the nonprofit sector again, and you've been involved for several years, and greater good, in my mind, is kind of a clearinghouse, if you will, for uh, other nonprofits, as you said earlier in the show, maybe no, smaller ones that were good in programming, but they just couldn't sustain their work or couldn't fundraise enough to have high enough impact. Do you feel like this is a model that more people ought to look for where, you know, you bring together multiple nonprofits and kind of create this online community where people can support it across the country, across the world for that matter? Um, or is it just something that worked for you and it came together and because of the relationship with greatergood.com initially that it was kind of a unique situation? So talk about that. Is this a new model for how to do nonprofit work? Um, I mean, I, I do think that nonprofits don't take advantage of, of strategic partnerships or um, mergers. I think that, you know, that, that hopefully again is with, with internet and transparency and is changing. Um, I think a lot of instances and sometimes this still goes on, you know, everybody's looking to get that one dollar, um, which is a mistake. Um, you know, we're certainly very interesting because our mission is so broad. So, you know, a lot of nonprofits have a very, um, limiting mission, and we, we just don't. So, you know, if we can go back with impact to proving that we're helping people, pets, and the planet, um, we could potentially, um, you know, run or fund a, a program. Um, and so certainly for us, the, the model of, especially for the signature programs where, you know, we have um, staff and, and fully fund and have fully control over it, um, you know, mergers with smaller nonprofits have, have definitely made sense for us, both in terms of, of hiring, uh, of elevating impact and also just in terms of growth. And it sounds like one last question, uh, the way your uh, organization works and structured, you have a board, I'm assuming, that oversees you primarily as the executive director and then you would oversee the rest of the staff. Is that how it works with your nonprofit? Yeah, correct. I mean, the board is, is pretty involved. You know, there's a lot of committees and, and, and oversight and, and, you know, they're involved volunteering or, or going to evaluate some of the projects or helping with marketing or, you know, sort of all the, the normal things that, that boards do. But, you know, they, they are, the board is my ultimate 
boss and and ultimately responsible for the health and and oversight of greatergood.org. Well, again, my guest today has been Liz Baker. She's the executive director of greatergood.org, working to protect people, pets, and the planet. I love your mission statement. It's very memorable. It's very portable. And uh, you've done a lot of different things in your life. And uh, this is one that sounds like it's really resonating with your experience, your passion, and you're making a great impact. Um, If people want to know more about you, more about Greater Good, or contact you somehow, where would you send them? Uh, To www.greatergood.org. That's excellent. Good. Well, Liz, thanks for taking time today, calling in from Arizona, and thanks for what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It was really fun. I want to let you know that we are on iTunes. If you are wondering how to find out where we are, check us out on iTunes by typing Nonprofit Leadership Podcast or Rob Harder, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help us expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as we can. You can also go online to listen to this podcast, either nonprofitleadershippodcast.org or my website, robharder.com. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better.